This episode of Geeks Crossing is brought to you by today's sponsor, Anchor. Ever wanted to start a podcast but can't find the right platform to work with? Don't worry, Anchor has you covered. Anchor is a free audio app that allows you to record a podcast on any device no matter where you are. Anchor includes an editing feature that allows you to customize your podcast, whether it be on your computer or mobile device, so you can easily omit any errors or unnecessary parts. Anchor also allows you to distribute your podcast to other platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or even Google Podcasts, which is amazing. Did I mention the part about making money? No? Well, you could be earning money every time someone listens to your podcast with no minimum listenership. If that's not the easiest way to make a podcast, I don't know what is. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Hello, faithful listeners, and welcome back to Geeks Crossing. Today, you're hearing the very first Renaissance Matt of 2021. For our first historical dive together, we're going to have to literally dive until we reach a certain pineapple under the sea. That's right, we're talking about everybody's favorite absorbent yellow and porous talking sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants. As I've discussed on this podcast before, we've got a whole episode dedicated to it, as a matter of fact, I grew up loving the sponge, and I'm hardly the only one. As of this recording, Wikipedia marks SpongeBob SquarePants as the 29th highest grossing media franchise of all time. And if 29th place on that list doesn't sound impressive to you, just think of the sheer amount of media that exists in the world. SpongeBob's certainly in the top 1%. As a result, and I suppose also as a cause of its value, SpongeBob's caretakers at Nickelodeon have been keen on getting the sponge out everywhere, from Hot Wheel cars to Kraft macaroni and cheese, and just about everything in between. But one of the biggest impacts SpongeBob has left outside of the TV and movie screen and the subject for today's episode of Renaissance Matt, is its crazy venture through the world of gaming, but specifically through 3D platforming games. For the casual gamers among you, you know, I I certainly vibe with that, video games can't really be painted with a broad stroke. Believe it or not, they can actually be split into a variety of different genres, including, but not limited to, party games, where you play mini-games, try to beat one another, like in Mario Party and Jackbox games. Uh, There's shooters, where your goal is usually to go to battle against another individual or team and perform the best. Think of Call of Duty, Battlefield, and the like. Sandbox games, where you literally do whatever the heck you want, like Minecraft and Gary's Mod. And there's many other genres, but one of these genres is 3D platforming. Themselves evolved from 2D platforming. Uh, They're named pretty straightforwardly. You usually traverse a short environment full of platforms in order to reach your destination and receive a reward. With the advent of new technologies, 2D platformers like Super Mario Bros. gave way to 3D platformers like Super Mario 64. And bookmark that game specifically because I'm going to be bringing it up again soon. SpongeBob video games delved into a variety of different genres. Okay, maybe not shooters, but (laughs) you get my drift. However, today I'll be going through its weird journey with 3D platformers specifically, talking about the ones I know from my own childhood, and for the later ones, my brother's childhood. From the digging around that I did, I found nine major SpongeBob 3D platformers, with one of them being sort of a caveat, which I'll get to at the end. But first, there is an elephant in the room for all of our SpongeBob video game loving fans out there. Though there are nine major SpongeBob 3D platforming games... This doesn't account for the four Nicktoon 3D platforming games, Nicktoons Unite, and its sequels, Nicktoons Battle for Volcano Island, Nicktoons Attack of the Toy Bots, and Nicktoons Globs of Doom. 
these games see various Nickelodeon characters come into contact with each other, where they, well, unite to do battle against various unique enemies in various environments. From Nicktoon homeworlds, like Bikini Bottom, Jimmy Neutron's Retroville, and Timmy Turner's Fairy World, to completely unique worlds like, well, Volcano Island. These are technically SpongeBob 3D platformers, since they're 3D platformers and feature SpongeBob. Plus, Nicktoons Unite is literally called SpongeBob SquarePants and Friends Unite in many parts of South America, Europe, Asia, and Africa. But the Nicktoons games are so collectively weird, they're honestly a topic for another day. Today is a day for 3D platformers that don't stray at all from the SpongeBob universe. And as I said, nine main games fulfill that requirement. So without further ado, let's get started. SpongeBob's first foray into 3D platforming came with SpongeBob SquarePants Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, developed by THQ and released in 2002. In this game, players take control of SpongeBob, who accidentally unleashes the Flying Dutchman by rubbing a bottle. I guess he's kind of like a genie now, whatever. SpongeBob must then retrieve treasures from each of the game's main worlds to weaken and eventually overwhelm the Flying Dutchman in a final boss battle. Retrieving these treasures can be accomplished by helping SpongeBob's friends with various tasks and challenges. These friends include Patrick, Sandy, Mr. Krabs, Plankton, and even Larry the Lobster. I don't have a lot to say about this game because I only discovered its existence while writing the script for this episode. <laughs> the graphics have definitely not aged tremendously well, uh, but they look okay for their time. The settings and the characters seem to match the world of SpongeBob enough. Again, sorry, I really don't have very much to say on this one because I think I know the least about it out of all of these games on this list. I was born in 1998, so by 2002, I really wasn't ready to play video games yet. <laughs> but after The Revenge of the Flying Dutchman, SpongeBob's most famous platformer released, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, um, released in 2003, developed by Heavy Iron Studios. The plot sees Plankton cook up a scheme to steal the Krabby Patty secret formula, by unleashing an army of loyal robots upon Bikini Bottom, but the pint-sized fiend forgets to make the robots obey him. Now squadrons of rogue androids occupy Bikini Bottom and its surrounding areas, and SpongeBob must put a stop to it. The player controls SpongeBob in every single level, and depending on the level, they can switch to either Patrick or Sandy. Each of these three come with their own unique skills and abilities that can make it easier to take out certain kinds of robots, traverse different environments, and overcome their respective obstacles. What's there to be said about this game that hasn't been said before? It's had a very interesting life, to say the least. Battle for Bikini Bottom and most of the other games on this list are what's known as licensed games. In a previous episode, I believe it was my Minecraft episode, I described these kinds of games as shovelware games. I don't think that's fully uh, accurate. The, the correct term is licensed games. And a licensed game is a game that's adapted from licensing agreements with existing properties. Uh, all that jargon pretty much means is that Spongebob games are based off of something that's not a video game character, not a video game concept. This being Spongebob. Licensed games have a reputation for being, well, not very great a lot of the times. There's two major reasons for this. One, the people who own IPs like Spongebob know TV and marketing better than they know video games. They literally might not be able to differentiate good game design and bad game design and sign off on bad and bizarre decisions. And they'll often want to rush games to shelves for the holiday season or buy a due date. We'll get to that with our next title. And two, the people who own the IPs are getting enough money and success from their IP that mediocre reviews from their game is really no skin off their nose. 
Whether Battle for Bikini Bottom generates rave reviews or not, SpongeBob itself will still be a cash cow. But due to Battle for Bikini Bottom's status as a licensed game, it was largely ignored for over a decade. Then, in the mid to late 2010s, the Speedrunners got a glimpse of it. Now, the Speedrunners, gamers that seek to beat video games in as short a time as possible, really rose to influence in these years, and in Battle for Bikini Bottom, many saw attributes to one of their favorite speedrunning titles, Super Mario 64. See? Told you that game would be relevant. Each level is filled with the game's main collectible. In Super Mario 64, it's Power Stars, while in Battle for Bikini Bottom, it's Golden Spatulas. Each level has collectibles that you can't get until you unlock a later power-up and come back. And both are chock-full of exploits and glitches that let speedrunners take advantage and shave minutes to hours off of the amount of time it takes to beat the final boss. I never actually played the original Battle for Bikini Bottom when I was younger, but from what I know, it's quite similar to Mario 64 in many regards. As such, the game has developed something of a cult status. And it was actually received pretty decently, earning itself a 7.3 out of 10 by game critics on IGN. Not abysmal. What many people don't know, or at least don't give us much attention to, is that Battle for Bikini Bottom actually has what I like to call a sister game. In 2004, Heavy Iron Studios turned out another Spongebob game to coincide with the release of the Spongebob Squarepants movie. The game was called the Spongebob Squarepants movie. Indeed, the game largely follows the plot of the film. Plankton stolen the crown of King Neptune and sold it to the far-off Shell City, framing Mr. Krabs so he could take over Bikini Bottom while the former is punished for crime he does not commit. Spongebob and Patrick take off on a wide-reaching undersea adventure to get the crown, save the town, and Mr. Krabs before the villainous Plankton can be victorious in his evil scheme. Though there is no main hub world, this game emulates Battle for Bikini Bottom in many key ways. Players control Spongebob or Patrick, depending on the level or challenge within the level. Traveling back to old levels will re be required once you unlock a new ability for Spongebob or Patrick, as older, inaccessible collectibles will now become reachable. The collectibles in this game are Goofy Goober tokens, though, instead of Golden Spatulas, though Spongebob and Patrick have identical animations for receiving both. A lot of the animations are the same, actually, down to Spongebob and Patrick's idle animation. Their abilities are virtually identical, sound effects are more or less the same, and the tikis one can destroy in Battle for Bikini Bottom have been replaced with boxes and barrels in Spongebob the movie. Even some of the enemies behave incredibly similarly. Though this game does make one notable improvement, and that's actually getting Clancy Brown to voice Mr. Krabs. You have to hear the guy they got for Battle for Bikini Bottom. He's trying his best, but it's just no cigar. It's worth noting that this game extends shorter periods of time that Spongebob and Patrick spend in different environments in the movie. For example, their hangover at Goofy Goobers, their pit stop at the desert gas station, their brief exit from the trench, and their journey through Planktopolis, very short moments of the movie, are each extended into full levels in the game. You might be wondering why I have so much to say about this game. Well, not only did I used to play it as a kid, it was actually the first video game I ever regularly played in my entire life. I remember being a toddler sitting in the living room watching Starstruck as my dad showed me the ropes of this platformer. So to say I have an attachment to the Spongebob movie game is perhaps an understatement. That said, even though the game is similar to its sister games in many ways, I still find it a lot of fun. They've added other new types of levels, such as slider-style levels, where Spongebob and Patrick ride in a shell, or Neptune's crown, or even a bathtub through a crazy environment. There are also levels where they do the same, but ride the paddy wagon, which controls much differently. I even like how the game changes up its enemies. There is a set type. 
Some will launch projectiles at you, some will burrow underground, but depending on the level you're playing, they look differently. Projectile enemies in the trench look like monsters, where in the early levels they appeared like Plankton's minions. As I said, the voice actors for Spongebob, Patrick, and Plankton return here. Clancy Brown features as Mr. Krabs after being absent. Sadly, neither Sandy nor Squidward have any speaking lines. A lot of people are always surprised when they learn Scarlett Johansson provided the voice of King Neptune's daughter Mindy in the Spongebob movie. As a kid, I watched the movie religiously, so I was never surprised. In fact, that was where I first heard of Scarlett Johansson. What did surprise me is when I learned that she actually reprised her role for this game. Every time you curse Mindy for keeping you from unlocking an ability or gaining back the paddy wagon for a level because you don't have enough goofy goober tokens, that's actually Scarlett Johansson you're yelling at. The more you know. Anyway, those were Heavy Irons, two landmark Spongebob games, and I reckon they're the most famous Spongebob video games to date, let alone Spongebob platformers. Their music, their level design, and their entire feel make them arguably the most inspired Spongebob games to date. By the mid-2000s, in the years after the release of Battle for Bikini Bottom and the Spongebob movie, the Nicktoon platformers were going strong, when all of a sudden a new challenger appeared, Blitz Games. Previously developing games for such franchises as Chicken Run, Lilo and Stitch, and Fairly Odd Parents, Blitz Games had its crack at Spongebob with two major games. The first came in 2006, with Spongebob Squarepants Creature from the Krusty Krabs. This platformer was stylized very differently from Heavy Iron's games. Players took control of Spongebob, Patrick, and Plankton in their own levels, each with their own structure and gimmicks. Spongebob's levels start out with him as a hot rod racer, then see him navigating the belly of an Alaskan bullworm, then finally find him in a plane flying through Bikini Bottom. Patrick spends his time in the game as a superhero, first navigating a comic book town, then strapped to a rocket launching through space, and finally returning in the third act to fight Plankton. Plankton, meanwhile, runs from a giant Krabby Patty before growing himself to colossal heights and turning the tables on it, all uh, destroying Bikini Bottom in the process. If all that stuff sounds completely bizarre to you, well, it is. The whole game is stylized as a dream, with the semi-reveal being that all of these events are taking place in a dream. But the music is solid, the gameplay is pretty fun, and the designers matched each level and segment up to a unique aesthetic. It's really cool, actually. The art and character design of the Spongebob Hot Rod segment is clearly reminiscent of Ed Roth and his Rat Fink Hot Rod culture. Patrick's level is heavily inspired by old Marvel and DC comics, right down to the paper-thin enemies and the heavy use of onomatopoeia during combat. Thwack! Boom! Kablam! Those words will literally show up <laughs> as you're fighting. Plankton, especially in his giant form, takes inspiration from those 1950s B-horror movies, gallivanting through town to the tune of a kooky synthesizer. That leads me to bring up the music, which is also pretty great. Like the animation and level design, it's clearly matched up with each level's style. SpongeBob, Patrick, Plankton, and believe it or not, Gary, are the only characters whose voice actors return from the show, as I don't believe Mr. Krabs, Sandy, or Squidward even appear anywhere in this game. Still, the voice work is solid. All around, this dream-based platformer is a real sleeper hit, pun intended. But you know what isn't a dream? Blitz Games' other SpongeBob platformer, SpongeBob's Atlantis Squarepantis which came out a year later in 2007. This is the start of a trend with Spongebob platformers, making games to correspond with a major marketing campaign. Technically, the Spongebob Squarepants movie game falls into this category as well, but you could argue that was a movie. Atlantis Squarepants, on the other hand, was just a TV special, where Spongebob and his friends go to Atlantis. 
Why Nickelodeon and Viacom would develop a tie-in game around that special is beyond me, but just knowing that this is a licensed game that was made for a TV special might cause you to have some doubts about its quality. Well, those doubts are pretty fair. Atlantis Squarepantis more or less follows the plot of the special as Spongebob and his friends travel through Atlantis while the villainous Plankton wreaks havoc on the place. There are some fun things present in the game. Driving around in a tank as Plankton is admittedly very enjoyable. And the game's main playstyle, navigating puzzle-like areas with two characters, is decently fun. But, I don't know, it's been a while. This game certainly feels mediocre in retrospect. It may not just be my faulty memory, either. Game rankings give the PlayStation 2 and Wii versions, the one I'm familiar with, scores of 60 and 62 out of 100, respectively. Atlantis Squarepantis also borrows significantly from Creature from the Krusty Krab, taking animations, character designs, and even entire music tracks, similarly to how Spongebob the movie did for Battle for Bikini Bottom, though it had fully unique music tracks. But speaking of the Heavy Iron games, two years after Atlantis Squarepantis, Nickelodeon teamed up with their old friend Heavy Iron Studios to develop another tie-in game for a TV special, SpongeBob's Truth or Square, in 2009. The TV special was designed to celebrate the 10th anniversary of SpongeBob SquarePants. I'll be honest, I, I think I played this game maybe once or twice, and I really don't remember it very well. The plot has something to do with SpongeBob losing the Krabby Patty secret formula, and traveling through his memories to find out where he put it. Uh, all the while traveling through old episodes, old references... I remember a select few things about this game. One, it heavily borrows music from Battle for Bikini Bottom and the Spongebob movie game, probably due to the same studio working on it. And two, everyone in the main cast reprises their role, even Ernest Borgnine as Mermaid Man, with the exception of Mr. Krabs. Again. Jeez, was Clancy Brown just really hard to get for these or something? I feel like I can't really offer a fair opinion on Truth or Square, considering I never played it a lot, but I do think it's worth mentioning, uh, it has pretty pathetic reviews. Still, seeing as it's a heavy iron game, and seeing its sort of interesting plot idea, I admit I am intrigued. After 2009, there was a drop in the way of Spongebob platformers. That is, until the early 2010s saw a partnership between Nickelodeon and another new game studio, Behavior Interactive. It's also worth noting at this point that all previous Spongebob games including the 3D platformers published by Heavy Iron and Blitz Games, were developed under THQ, which held the rights to a variety of licensed games. But by the early 2010s, THQ had gone bankrupt, and Nickelodeon needed a new partner for their Spongebob games. Thus, they turned to Activision, one of the oldest independent game studios on Earth, itself formed from disgruntled Atari developers. Activision also had experience putting franchises to video games, developing the Shrek and Madagascar franchises into game form through the 2000s. And personally, I remember those games being absolute bangers when I was a kid. So the stage seemed set, and Behavior Interactive, a studio under Activision, took on Spongebob. I'm going to lump Behavior Interactive's two 3D platformers together, because I've never played either of them, and both seem to have very similar playstyles. These games are Spongebob Squarepants Plankton's Robotic Revenge in 2013, and Spongebob Hero Pants in 2015. Plankton's Robotic Revenge is Spongebob's first unique game since Creature of the Krusty Krab, and follows a fairly standard plot of Plankton trying to steal the Krabby Freddy formula, and our heroes trying to stop him, all the while Plankton uses giant robots. Spongebob Hero Pants, two years later, is mostly a tie-in with the Spongebob movie Sponge Out of Water, which released in theaters that same year. 
It follows a plot said to take place after the events of the movie, with six playable characters, Spongebob, Patrick, Squidward, Sandy, Mr. Krabs, and Plankton, attempting to undo the effects of the film's magic book. Again, I will preface by saying I really have not played either of these games, even though my family owned both for a time. I guess neither ever captured my interest, which isn't a great sign. I'm the last person to judge anything solely based on what critics have to say about it, but an overwhelming negative response can provide at least some red flags. And you guessed it, both of these games received overwhelmingly negative responses. Both were criticized for being very short and having very little inspiration whatsoever. Even Common Sense Media, one of the few reviewing organizations to give Truth or Square 4 out of 5 stars, gave both Plankton's Robotic Revenge and Spongebob Hero Pants 2 stars out of 5, citing their bare-bones structure and uninspired nature. YouTuber AntDude, a popular gamer who has discussed Spongebob games in the past, also released a video about a month ago at the time of this recording, panning both of these games in a video themed around playing quote-unquote disastrous Spongebob games. Yikes. Spongebob 3D platformers have been more or less dead since the genre's depressing, whimpering demise with Activision's two games. In fact, the final game of our nine is not a unique game at all, but rather a remake. That's right, I'm talking about 2020's Spongebob Squarepants Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated, released by Purple Lamp and THQ, or at least the remains of THQ. I mentioned at the beginning that this is sort of a caveat, because it's technically not a new game that needs to be discussed. However, unlike the original, I actually have played this game, so I can provide an opinion I was not able to give for the OG. It's much cleaner than the original in terms of graphics, which some would argue removes a lot of the original's charm, but I was able to fall in love with the original game's music and level design, which I had never been able to earnestly fall in love with. Seriously, I haven't brought this up yet, the heavy iron Spongebob platformers have fantastic soundtracks. Spongebob movie and Battle for Bikini Bottom. I would say that the main addition to this remake, the multiplayer mode, leaves a lot to be desired and seems very hastily made. It goes on for far too long with little explanation as to what's going on and basically no payoff. Still, though this game was clearly heavily, heavily freshened up, feels like the original Battle for Bikini Bottom but it spent two hours putting on makeup, I found it to be quite enjoyable. Fans of the original are quick to note that this game controls slightly differently, a little tighter than the original, but I guess I can't really comment because I've never had the pleasure of playing the OG. Now comes the time where we answer the question I posed at the start. Were the SpongeBob 3D platformers good? Well, I'd say yes. That is, for a time. I've never played The Flying Dutchman's Revenge, but whether it was good or not, it was SpongeBob's first attempt at a 3D platformer, so I say it gets a pass regardless. Though they were licensed games, and though they do leave a bit to be desired, I personally think that Battle for Bikini Bottom and the Spongebob movie game are a solid platforming experience. Again, they're not perfect, but they capture the spirit of their source material extraordinarily. I'm also a very big proponent of Creature from the Krusty Krab. It may be a little more controversial, but it's a really fun, wacky game that gives you a variety of different playstyles to keep you on your toes, and it's stylized incredibly uniquely. So yeah, the mid-2000s saw some really great Spongebob platformers, but that trend kind of started to go south after Creature from the Krusty Krab. Blitz Games, Atlantis Square Pantis, and Heavy Iron's Truth or Square, while not abjectly horrible in my opinion, leave a lot to be desired and are a far cry from the three games I grew up really loving. And Activision's 2010 Spongebob games are flat out awful. 
I haven't ever encountered a gamer, hardcore or casual, who had something positive to say about Plankton's Robotic Revenge or Spongebob Hero Pants. Now, Battle for Bikini Bottom Rehydrated is a good game, yes, but it's really only good because of the original. Sure, the graphics upgrade and the fresh coat of paint are a nice touch, but most of what makes Rehydrated so great is the playstyle, level design, music, and creativity of the original game. So saying it's a good game on its own merit seems a little unfair. That paints a picture of continual decline from the early 2000s to the mid-2010s. We're probably done with Spongebob 3D platformers for the time being, and after Activision's two games, I think that's more than okay. That said, I definitely would not be opposed to a Spongebob movie rehydrated. Personal fantasy of mine. Ah, but a man can dream. This has been another episode of Geeks Crossing. Did you play any of these Spongebob platformers growing up? Which one is your favorite? Be sure to join our Discord, link in the description of this episode as always. Follow us on Instagram at Geeks Crossing, and please continue to support us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasting needs. This has been an episode of Renaissance Matt, and I will see you in Shell City.